Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What came out of the sky at Kecksburg, Pennsylvania on December 9, 1965? Why was the military all over it? What happened to some of the witnesses? Hello and welcome to the 728th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on ON 1240 Radio and this is our uh, 10th year on the air. I'm Ben and those high-flying questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal and father, Paul. Today we bring you a subject that in all our years on the air we've never devoted an entire show to before. And we welcome your calls and emails today. It's 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, 401-766-1240, locally or from galaxies long ago and far, far away. Cody Knotts is a director, producer, writer, and actor, a native of Taylorstown, Pennsylvania. His next film, Kecksburg, is in production. Cody is a former editor of the Weekly Recorder, a newspaper covering Pennsylvania and national politics. Cody also was twice a candidate for the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. As a young Boy Scout, he was the first recipient of the Handicapped Awareness Merit Badge because of his devotion to disabled students. And his Eagle Scout project helped inspire the National Scouting for Food program. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, His website is rather complex, and we will ask him to give it to you in a moment. Alrighty, so uh, Cody Knotts, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Thanks for having me on. That's uh, a pleasure. Uh, ben, if I may interrupt, Cody, what, what website is the best one to go to? Because I've got the IMDB one here, and we have a link to that on our website in two places. But uh, is, is there Principalities an, of Darkness. Principalities of Darkness. Dot com? Yeah. Darkness.com. Good. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll uh, also mention that toward the end of the show. So yeah. take it away, Ben. Alrighty. So I guess uh, we, we can start at the very beginning, and this is actually one of my one of my favorite cases. You can probably thank UFO hunters for that. Um, what happened in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, on December 9th, nineteen sixty-five? Well, something fell out of the sky. Now we're, we're making a film, so I always make sure people know we're not making a documentary, but a film. But Something came over Michigan, landed in Kecksburg, and the military was on top of it probably in under 20 minutes. And they came out of Pittsburgh, and, and, and I, I used to live in the area uh, near Kecksburg, so you couldn't get there unless you were already moving before uh, the object hit. So that's one of the things that has always led us to know some, the military is aware of something more uh, to be ready and able to move there that quickly. And... John Murphy, a reporter from Westmoreland County, tried to bring the story public and ends up dying, as did uh, by a hit and run, the same as um, Mr. Betters, and I get him and his brother mixed up. It's Gary Betters was the one that was hit. Uh, Harold Betters is the musician. They're both musicians, but Harold's still alive. And they, uh, he also was would not let go of the story and ended up being hit by a car, and nobody knows who did either one of them. Wow. That's, that's a short, quick synopsis without the men in black and all the fun stuff that happened. Um, so I guess the, so, next, but, the next question would be, why Why was the military all over this? And how, how soon did they get there? It was, it was under 30 minutes, and they came down Route 51, and at that time, obviously, the roads weren't as good as they are now. But uh, it's pretty impossible to make that journey unless you were already 
organized and ready to go as it was coming down the road. And so that that leads to speculation. And you know, even last year, Hillary or two years ago, Hillary Clinton filed a Freedom of Information request demanding the records while running for president were made public, and the Air Force said that they were uh, no longer in existence. <laughs> Wait, why did Hillary Clinton want them? Because John Podesta is obsessed with Kecksburg, and if you go to the WikiLeaks emails <laughs> that were released by, uh, by uh, when WikiLeaks were released, you can go in there and search for Kecksburg, and John Podesta talks about Kecksburg all the time. Actually, that's true. I've seen him. Wow. Huh. All I right. did not yeah. know that. Well, uh, let's back up a little bit there, Cody. Um, so okay. the object the object is coming over Michigan and coming from, I suppose, the, the, uh, the northwest uh, in relation yeah. to Kecksburg. And it's in the sky, and I understand that people saw this, and it, what did they see, was, and where did it land? It, it lands in a... a what is now a small farm outside was then also a farm, but uh, outside of right outside of Kecksburg. Uh, I mean, Kecksburg's a very tiny place, mm. a couple hundred people. Um, the closest town of any size nearby is a town named Mount Pleasant, which is like four or five thousand people. And a lot of the people from Mount Pleasant came out there. People from Connellsville, Pennsylvania. I mean, these are really small towns in Fayette and Westmoreland County, mm-hmm. um, which are suburb counties of Pittsburgh. And uh, it, it hits into a little gully, and you can still see if you if you drive out on the road. It, they, the family won't let anybody on the property, but you can still see the indentation where it hit, which is kind of neat hmm. in the brush. And you've seen. This. Um, you can see it better from a satellite if you if you look, you know you're looking from like a Google Maps. Okay. Hmm. And I'm sure, I'm sure you've been there yourself, of course. I've not been to the, I've been on the road looking down. I went with the Kecksburg Fire Department, which has been trying to help us with the film because it would help the community. Okay. They hold an annual UFO festival and they have been incredibly helpful to us. In fact, they still have the fire truck that responded. Oh my. And have that in the film. Um, it's a 19, I think 'll okay. well, we'll talk about the film in a minute but I just want to make sure that we've got the right no picture problem. here yeah uh, so witnesses as I understand it witnesses uh, one of the main arguments against this not being a meteor or some other object that's just simply falling was that I understand there were witnesses who said that, that as it came in they could see it and it was zigzagging and doing something that indicates uh, intelligent control is that correct oh it, it, it turns um now, one of the arguments is it's a Russian satellite, which John Ventry has uh, proposed, which is what the government switched to in, I think, 2011. And the problem with that is it should have burned up on reentry. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the part of the argument is the government denied it because they didn't follow the 1963 treaty with the Soviets, which was that we were returning satellites that landed in each other's uh, sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. And then why not release the records to Hillary Clinton? Which mm-hmm. is why Hillary filing that Freedom of Information request is so interesting. Yeah. Because why would you not let... And Podesta, when he was chief of staff with the Clintons, couldn't get the records. Why not? No, it's just we 
it's very interesting that they've withheld that. There was hundreds of witnesses, some of which are still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, there was three boys in a woods that saw things. There's been rumors that one of the boys ends up at uh, Eye and Ear in Pittsburgh because he's been blinded. Um, obviously, no one's been able to verify that other than the doctor uh, spoke to Stan Gordon, who has been who's researched this more than anyone and has been incredibly helpful to us in, in the film process. Okay. All right. Now, again, let's uh, let's try and, and get a picture here. Now, it comes down in, I understand, the woods that are owned, they're part of the property of this farm, and uh, yep. who was the first person to see it and what did it look like? I'm honestly not sure who was the first person other than the fire department arrives, the military gets there, and puts them back, um, but John Murphy did get in there and take pictures. The reporter. The really... Who ended up yeah, dying. Okay. He ends up dying, and his pictures are taken from him by government agents. Okay. They come to the radio station. He's going... He is going to make them public with a radio show um, called Object in the Woods. They take the film... They take his film from him on the location, but he hides a roll of film and still is going to bring those public, and they come and take that from him. And so then John goes ahead with the story without any evidence other than his own eyewitness account. But his eyewitness account of the object is the same as Mr. Better's, uh, who draws a sketch of what he sees, which is a six-by-six taking out some sort of bell-shaped object, which is the acorn, the famous... uh, Acorn, which has led to speculation this was the Nazi bell, um, which has led to speculation about a lot of different things of what it could be. Okay, uh, so you, you uh, transitioned right into something Ben's very interested in. What, what do you mean by the Nazi bell? I should have the let Nazi- you ask that, Ben. Yeah, you should have. Well, so ask it. So tell us about Deglaka. <laughs> well, the Nazi bell is, the, is allegedly an attempt by the Nazis to make a time machine and in uh, in Poland, in occupied Poland in 1944. And no one knows where this thing went. We know that they were working on it. We know that there was an attempt to do it. There's been theories that it was based on alien technology and a, and a whole host of different ideas on how they were doing it. Um, and so, you know, it, it, I always make a joke that it would be funny that the Nazis built a time machine that conquered the world in the future and they end up in southwestern Pennsylvania, a small <laughs> rural town in 1965. That's a pretty big failure. Stranger uh, things have happened. Oh, you know, Pennsylvania Dutch. Right, well, yeah, all right. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, so, Die Glocke, by the way, is German for bell, just in case anyone doesn't, uh, isn't up on their German or never studied in high school. So go, uh, go ahead. It, go I mean, ahead. It's, become part of, it's become part of uh, folklore because it even appears in Call of Duty as like a, an, a reward if you go so far. Um, and so... You know, people keep, we thought about working that in, but we, we didn't, but it's a really neat part of the story that um, there's this possibility that this was a time machine. And okay. Yeah, so, so did it land or did it crash? It landed, because the object is not uh, damaged from the accounts of what people saw. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and it perfectly fit. We have dimensions based on what the people saw, and we had Michael Malden, who was the founder of Lycos, who invented the, the 
Spider that makes all our search engines work. He okay. agreed to be part of our process, and so he took the design that from the eyewitness account and saw if it could fit, it could fit two four and a half feet humanoids inside of it, and it does. And and we were very fortunate to get uh, Fuzzy. His nickname's Fuzzy, but Malden, Michael Malden, Doctor Malden involved. Um, I mean, they have someone who invented the search engine to agree to be part of this process mm-hmm. and to look at this seriously. Um, like, could this object do what you know uh, people think uh, could happen? And and he came back with yes, I can fit two people in there with cargo and gear and controls and so he designed the entire ship for us and designed what he thought the interior might look like and he spent about six months on it which was to get someone of his caliber to do that was just incredible yeah and he worked with we had him work with a uh evolutionary biologist from the university of pitt dr nathan morehouse and both of them volunteered their time to help us do this. Because we wanted the science to be solid. And he even said the shape of the acorn. It was really funny because he says the shape of the acorn uh, makes sense because it's electromagnetic and, and that's why it would be shaped this way mm-hmm. for propulsion. And that's obvious. And I went, well, of course I went, obvious? Okay. You know, I, I, I come from being a newspaper reporter. Yeah, me too. Um, investigator. And yeah. not as a scientist. So when he said this, I'm just like, okay, sure, whatever you say, Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You understand why this this makes sense. So, so the shape of it and design made sense to him, and that that uh, that was exciting, also. Um, okay. All right. Uh, what um, do you know? What the military did when they got there? Okay, uh, allegedly. They put it on the six by six, and they take it out, and they keep this. They threaten a lot of the citizens and tell them they have to back off. And then they take it. It eventually, supposedly, ends up at Wright Patterson. Now, now here's what's interesting. The working theory of most people is that they drove it from Kecksburg there. My problem with that is, is Okay, you want to get it to Wright Patterson? Why would I drive it down the roads in plain view with, with tarp over top of it? Yeah. Where people would have seen it. We have nobody in between seeing it. We believe that instead they took it to Camp Dawson because Camp Dawson is 30 minutes away. It has an airfield. It's in West Virginia, um, and it's where we have all our homeland security now. And we've been doing black ops out of there for for decades mm-hmm. to get it to Wright Patterson. It makes a lot more sense to move it. And I'm actually talking to you from West Point. My wife just got a job here at West Point, so I'm oh. at the U.S. Military Academy having this discussion <laughs> um, in our house. Um, but so, so they, we believe they they might have even taken a truck and let people believe it was going one direction. Cause, but right, Camp Dawson is 30 minutes away, and you get 30 to about 45 maybe, and you could take it right to Camp Dawson put it on a plane, and pop it over to Wright-Patterson without being, being seen. That makes a lot more sense, and because they have the black ops there, we test missiles in the mountains there, we do all kinds of things, and we have for, for decades. 
that would be a lot more logical than driving it down the road uh, okay. for everybody to see all the way to Wright Patterson. All right. It's quicker. Okay, a logistical question. Now, the thing okay. comes down in a wooded area. Um, I, I, was there a road that went right by it? Because otherwise, how did they get it from the woods onto a truck? There's a road nearby, and you have to understand, it is a 6x6. Six six, I don't know if you've ever been in a Willy Jeep, but the 6x6 six sure. six operates basically like a billy goat. Yeah. I can take them anywhere. I can easily get it down into this valley where it landed. No trouble at all, because the fire trucks came right up there. Okay. Um, so, you know, that's uh, that's an easy place to go. The, the road network is not bad there at all. Okay. Um, and and these this farms, the layout is going down into a valley, so you could drive right down there and okay. pick it up. We have a question from a listener. We'll get to that in a minute. So, so Cody, what, what are the dimensions of this craft? How big was this craft? How heavy was it? That sort of thing. That, I have, we have the specs, but Michael did all of that for us based on their things. And okay. if I remember correctly, it's roughly um, about seven feet tall. We, we were going round and round with this based on what, because we were having to take what they drew and what people said versus what we knew the dimensions of the truck were. Okay. So, so essentially, uh, all right. So essentially maybe uh, a little smaller than, say, a Gemini space capsule. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. So, so because because I don't have the the, the stuff right in front of me because yeah. it's all on a flash drive. Okay. But it, you know, we'd love to send it to you because we we put the the specs Michael did public, so we can send that to you and get it up on your website. Okay. Sure. Sure. Now uh, I understand that uh, witnesses said that there was some sort of uh, writing. Around the bottom of the yeah. the, the uh, acorn shaped craft, or I guess it would be the top of an acorn shaped craft. What, what was that about? Yeah, there's, there's, well, there's been some people that speculate if it was Russian, it was it was Cyrillic uh, alphabet. My wife yeah. is fluent in Russian. Mm-hmm. She lived in Russia for a while, and she didn't. She said that that's possibly, but I don't think so, based on what people drew. Um, and so. You know, the working theory has been it's some sort of alien language. So what we did was we sent Michael again. Michael's background is actually in linguistics. Um, and he created a language based on what we saw. So we've actually created that also. Okay. Uh, which was kind of exciting. All right. And, and we, he created a whole font and language from it. Okay. Tolkien did the same thing for Lord of the Rings. Uh, ben, do we have a caller? Well, well, not, not a caller so much as um, I, I was dictated the questions. Okay. So it's it's a two part question. Um, okay. Re- regard regarding the, the film and portrayal and such. So Phil from Ars Massachusetts writes to us. Uh, so why are you making the film now? Because we think that this is a even more than Roswell, because so many more people actually saw this and it landed in the Northeast and. Uh, seen that this is perfect timing with the level of mistrust people are having towards government from all sides. Mm-hmm. And we think this event is a, one of those events that shows that our government doesn't tell us the truth. And it, it's, and so that's, that's part of it. Uh, secondarily, we want to do it before people who saw the event could 
pass away. We want them to be part of a film premiere. We want them to, I mean, a lot of them have died. Hmm. We're 53 years away from the event. So they've needed this. They've wanted to see this. So we want to do it while they're still alive. Um, but, I mean, if we think the timing's right, there's a lot of mistrust of government. We don't really believe what the government tells us. Right. Um, and, and so, and, and they've created that environment. And we think a lot of that, those seeds happen in the 60s. So the time period is, the event is perfect. Um, and why continue lying? Why continue lying to, to I mean, freaking Hillary Clinton. Well, actually, we did a video that says, what's so secret she can't know? Like, what's so big that she can't have that? The Clintons can't know. Well, I mean, they have no Who's standing uh, legally. But I, but I get your, I get your drift. Um, uh, but there's a second yeah, I point. worked in politics. I mean, I... Yeah. I, I you can get information. I mean, I sat with, with Congressman Murtha before he passed away, mm-hmm. and we talked about 9-11, and he said, sure, we shot the plane down, because it was his district. He said, yeah, we can't tell the public that, because, hell, you know, they'll all be upset. You know, but we, yep. we had to shoot it down. It was the right call. So we make up these stories about the woman ramming the plane, and mm-hmm. they didn't have missiles. All cover stories, to cover and cover and cover. Keep lying. Why? We're grown-ups. In that example, the plane had to be shot down. It was the right thing to do. Okay, people. That would be, be the rules of engagement, in my experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry, but yeah, go ahead. you had to. You couldn't let it hit the Pentagon. Right. You couldn't let it hit more people. You shoot it down right over where there's no one living. It's too obvious that it was. And I'm sitting there for congressman. We worked in politics here, and he's laughing about it. I mean, not laughing, but you know, I mean, he's like, we have to lie to people. And I'm like, no, you don't. You know, that's we're treated like children. Okay, and well, so we, we can get into that, uh, but but uh, let's, I know I'm just yeah. This the whole this is why we're making this film. Okay, no, that that's a, that's very sensible. Yeah, well, that partially answers the second portion of the question, which is you know five <laughs> five minutes into it, um, the, is the movie more about the cover up of of the main event itself, uh, or is there going to be more of a focus on the terrible divisions in the town, similar to that of of the Travis Walton story, you know? Instead of, you know, the, the five loggers versus each other, this is a whole town versus each other. Interesting. Cody? This, this, this is about the juxtaposition of us. It's about us being lied to. We have, we took real people and had to create composite people. And, and, and the answer, the fire chief is a great example. We don't, we didn't go back and research exactly who the fire chief was, but we the fire department's helping us. We made the fire chief a veteran. We also took John Murphy because of the age, age range. He was not a veteran to the best of our knowledge. We, there's very little information. Yeah, a young guy, yeah. Yeah, but he would have been the right age to be a veteran because people forget if I'm 38 years old, I served in World War II mm-hmm. or I served in Korea. And so we made him a veteran also. And the reason was is we wanted these men to be what we have as the ideal of World War II. And now they meet the new government. And this clash between I served my country, I fought in World War II, not to be lied to, not to have a gun pointed in my head by a soldier, not to have an Air Force colonel telling me I can't know the truth. That's not the government people fought and died for at Normandy or in, the, in, in New Guinea or Guadalcanal. That's right. Mm-hmm. And we wanted that to be the central theme because we think that's the central theme going on throughout our entire culture. So not us all fighting amongst ourselves, but 
an us and them scenario. The truth is, is that you know we have aliens in the film, but they're not the the problem. The problem is is these people at the top and how they're treating us. And so, uh, one part we're going to film first is the presidential scenes, and that's part of it because the president's response and the official government response. Okay, it was Lyndon Johnson um, at the time. It was, it's Lyndon Johnson. And so a big part of it is Lyndon Johnson speaking with the men of the head that's in charge of the men in black, um, this secret organization. And we have a third character who is there to represent the government officials who don't know, which is going to be Senator Robert Byrd. Hmm. Um, and so Robert Byrd goes in with LBJ, has no idea of the secret organization. I have to stop you, Cody. We have to take our break. Uh, but we'll, we'll continue this after we go. Uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Benino on WOON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back with our fascinating conversation with Cody Knotts on the Kecksburg UFO incident. Stick with us. Hi, this is Don Brunell inviting you to join us on the Midday Show from noon to 2 every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday with the Super Quiz, great oldies, and interesting guests. That's Midday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday from noon to 2. Okay, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Behind the Paranormal, we're going to uh, tell you about some charities we have adopted, uh, but we'll do that at the end of the show in our announcement period. Uh, U.S. and Canadian veterans charities and some other very, very um, good, good things. Uh, who's uh, the the organizers and, and uh, uh, operators of the charities are people we know personally, so we know that they're good. So right, let's get back to our conversation with Cody Knotts, filmmaker, researcher, uh, on the amazing Kecksburg UFO incident of 1965 in Pennsylvania, and uh, he is a filmmaker on this. But w- before we burn up this hour, Cody, tell us again about your website, where people can find out more about you and the film, and when the film is going to be released. Uh, two places, principalitiesofdarkness.com is our website, and we have a... Uh, Kexburg the movie uh, page on Facebook that has a lot of the information and links to what's going on. Okay, and, uh, and if you message us, we'd love people to be involved. We we reach out to everybody. Okay, and uh, what, what uh, release date are you looking for? We have a date in 2019. Okay, uh, we start our plans to film this year, and it's in September. September 15th is the planned release. Date. Okay. Sounds wonderful. So, so you were talking again about setting the tone of, of people believing in the government and this somehow breaking down. So please continue what you were saying before the break. Oh, we use the character of Senator Robert Byrd. Of West Virginia. Uh, so become a villain in, in modern times, but yeah. was, was in many cases the modern Henry Clay yeah. uh, trying to hold the country together. And so we use him as what would be the what we believe government is and he walks in and finds out that there's a secret organization and that they're willing to kill everybody to hide the truth and it's bird who manages to convince them that this is a crazy idea and they have to find another way but he does it subtly um and and we wanted to show the different levels of government we have lyndon johnson with uh, based upon the rough tumble man he was and we do something different with men in black i've always had a problem with this idea that they're so secretive no one ever met them no one hires people to keep secrets that nobody knows they always come out of these yale harvard guys and, and that type of background or someone the government trusts so we wanted to choose someone who was both a politician and a general and wasn't well known 
could be forgotten in many ways, which is a com- hard combination. I mean, everyone thinks pre- the politicians generally think Eisenhower, but what we did was we chose to use a guy by the name of Governor Edward Martin, who was a general, a governor, and a senator, and is basically as innocuous and boring as you could possibly get. Uh, and, and he happens to be from the county I grew up in, which is odd enough, but when I went searching, I'm like, well, Governor Martin fits, no one remembers him. And so we chose Governor Martin, and we think he was the perfect choice to be the, the type of person they would actually choose to put in charge, a man who could keep secrets that they knew and trusted, because all of this requires trust. Um, and he was an antagonist of Mar- General Marshall and things like that. But that contrast between these three things, where he has no trouble killing everybody, the president goes along with it and Bird's on the other side, and you have that dynamic. And we're going to film that first, mm-hmm. um, which is really exciting because we've got... Uh, we're going to connect it with a fundraiser to fight cancer because the scene we first see the president political fundraiser, and Coach Bob Huggins from WVU, one of the ten winningest coaches in NCAA history, is going to be part of that process. It's going to raise money for his cancer fund that he named after his mother. Excellent. Um, so we managed to get WVU involved and uh, unofficially because it's the, they'll receive the money because they have a cancer program there. Okay. Uh, um, d- just a, sort of uh, returning to the scenario in 65, is there any indication that there were occupants of this craft? The reports from some of the eyewitnesses say that they saw uh, a three-clawed hand being carried on a litter, that one of these people was, was one of these creatures was killed. So there has been drawings and based on eyewitness accounts of that. So we took that and gave it to the evolutionary biologist to help create mm-hmm. what we think that would mean. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen the reproductions uh, on the site. Yeah, interesting. Okay, um, at the risk of sounding like Pontius Pilate, what is the truth <laughs> here? <laughs> Good question. Um, I, you know, most people go in with their idea and then try to make the facts fit what they want. I don't do yes. that. I never did. Good. Um, and so I'm left with, from my experience in politics, the fact that they won't tell us what it is, and that's, again, why I find the Hillary and Podesta so interesting, is because that means there's something that isn't a Russian satellite, mm-hmm. that the Russian satellite doesn't work. And when I talked to Michael, he said it would burn up. There's right. no, I mean, he, he and, and, and so it's why I brought scientists in, because then, I get a lot of times when we have people investigating it, they they get people who have some knowledge of science, but we don't get someone like the guy who invented the search engine, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, who's done stuff with NASA. You know, I mean, like it, it's it's that caliber of individual doesn't get involved in these things, and I'm just fortunate enough that I knew one of his business partners. Okay. And, and so that's how I was able to get out, reach out to him. Thank God for Facebook. All right. And, well, but Ben, and, Ben, you've been. Uh, I'm sorry, Tinder, but Ben, you've been. Oh, no uh, you've been uh, uh, quite uh, contemplative here. Uh, do you have any questions uh, as we go? Um, I, 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 I had, I had something. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring this 
circle this back around to the whole the whole Nazi topic because this is one of my favorite conspiracy theories. That probably isn't true, <laughs> but it, it's just it's fun to think about because you know uh, you grow up like reading comics like Hellboy and all that stuff where the Nazis. I are, didn't know that. What? what would you hide them under your bed? No, you know I was like twelve when Hellboy the movie. Oh, came I out. see. Right, so right. I mean, you know, grew up with that kind of stuff. So you know, um, all 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 the whole the spooky Nazi technology and all that. So there's. There was this. I remember UFO hunters like forever ago when it was still on the air. Did did a whole episode about the whole Kecksburg incident, and I remember uh, Bill Bill Burns, good friend of ours. Yeah, he has co-hosted this show. Yeah, he he went on a, on a very very a very long tangent about the Project Paperclip and how um, one of the Nazi scientists that the United States acquired during Project Paperclip, which for those who don't know what Project Paperclip is. Uh, right after the war, since the Nazis were the most technologically advanced country on the face of the earth at the time, there was a mad dash between the Soviets and the Americans to scoop up as many Nazi scientists as they could, give them amnesty, and then proceed to put them to work in uh, either NASA or, or various other technological fields. And one of the um, scientists that was with the military uh, was a NASA scientist. I cannot remember the name his name off the top of my head because I... I remember hearing this and thinking, "Wow, well, that's Von crazy. Braun." Was it? No, it wasn't Von Braun. It one was it was, it was one of one of his colleagues okay. who supposedly worked on Deglaka in Pol- in Poland and then was scooped up during pro- Project Paperclip and then was one of the first people to appear with the military when you know the the um, craft in Kecksburg crashed, which bore a remarkable resemblance to Deglaka. So. Um, is there any any truth to this, or is this just all all you know garbage myth? No, I I think that there's enough evidence that there's something that they were working on. Now, whether it went through time and ended up in Kecksburg, that's that's a whole other story. Um, you know, so when I mean, we explored that, and we really wanted to work it into the film, but cost wise, it would have run us. We had a plan on how to do that at the opening. And it would have ran us over big time. Yeah, it's usually um, what happens with special effects. Yeah, it, it was just okay. We have to have a whole different setting just for this Nazi scene, and a whole different set of uniforms. It was those things that start to get like crazy. Um, and then we still were going to keep it being aliens. It was just going to be like that. The colonel was obsessed with this because he almost got there and they disappeared, and they're still out there somewhere in time. Um, you know, I. I've always had the problem of why would I go to the future? Why would I not go to the past? Because if I have certain knowledge of technology, what am I going to do with two guys? You know, <laughs> I send them to the past. Okay, I can manipulate things. If I send them to the future, they're backward technology-wise. So I've always had, from a logical perspective, but they might not have intended to go into the future. So I, I find the whole time machine thing fascinating. I've read comic books, too. So <laughs> I, I love that stuff. Um well- one of the things that, or well, actually it's a bunch of things that, that we always suggest people consider, and we've gone round and round on the air with Steve Bassett about this. The, uh, he's sort of the leader, one of the leaders of the, the disclosure movement, which wants the government to tell everybody everything it knows about UFOs, uh, which, uh, as just as an aside, I think is naive. I mean, as you said, Cody, people just don't believe the government, and who's going to believe when they come out and say something about UFOs? Is it going to be the complete truth? Is it going to be fudged? I mean, yeah, of course it is. And I, I asked uh, Steve on the air, or Ben did, wh- what if the truth, <clears throat> quote-unquote, whatever that is, is so terrifying that it really would upend society? 
Suppose, for example, our theories are correct on the paranormal, that it's not about the past, the future, there really is no such thing, as Einstein proved in 1952, really, uh, but that it's all simultaneous, uh, it's, it's not necessarily other planets, or uh, along with that, it could be parallel realities where all things are possible, all things is, exist right down to our greatest nightmares, and that this thing, if it was any sort of time vehicle, it, that, that it really has no meaning, because what has it been? The physicist would say, well, if, if you don't move back and forth in time, you move sideways? Well, from what I recall... Um I've heard it also called the time machine, but it was also called the Wunderwaffen, and essentially it was supposed to be a device to end the war, um, and that its function was to bend space and time, not necessarily to time travel, but to essentially manipulate reality. Yeah, or even perception of reality. Right. Yeah. So I don't know, this introduces questions none of us can probably answer, but... Cody, if you have any thoughts uh, that sort of go out, as to, pardon the cliche, go outside the box as far as time travel well, ideas are concerned on this? All governments, all societies, every institution has an interest in stability. So that would lead them, anything that would be so destabilizing would be terrifying, and you have to control it. Mm. Um, and so that information could be, uh, it would be absolutely in their interest to, to stop it. Um, so that I have no no problem with, if such a thing existed. The problem is, is if something's bending reality, we wouldn't even know it because our reality would change in our concept of the past. So how would we be aware? Um, well, that might not, not be how it works. Like if you go back in time, quote-unquote, and shoot your own grandfather, oh, gee, how could I be born? Well, you, you know, it's not, it doesn't work that way, according to these theories. Uh, you would simply create another, oh, another, another line where you were never born, but you, the one in which you were wouldn't be affected. That's the theory anyway. Right. Yeah, and, and they, oddly, oddly enough, they've worked all this stuff out with comic books. That's they had true. The whole, yeah. It, it was comic book writers that started, how can we deal with this? How can we create? Uh, alternate worlds, alternate timelines, divergent, and Marvel did this briefly. All these different, time, you know, things. Whether that's the case or not, it becomes complicated because the truth is, is human beings are we're, we're rooted in where we are, so we only can deal with the reality we have in front of us. Um, and politicians, are in many cases, the most practical of all human beings. It's been my experience. So, if such a thing existed, okay, why does it matter to us? It's not affecting us. It, even if it creates 16 different divergent timelines, why would it matter to me in this timeline at this moment? Um, and so we just need to hide that information. Okay. That would be the logical decision because what would it do for you in a, in a practical sense? Yeah. You know, the, well, re- regarding the Kecksburg case itself, uh, did any witnesses besides John Murphy or Gary Bettis uh, die under mysterious circumstances that you know of? None that we know of. We okay. know the two of them did. All right. But they were the two that were most vocal. Um, other people, and, and we play off this, and I think you'll appreciate this. We have the military at the end tell them one of the decisions is Bird makes the statement that if that if anybody talks about this, they won't believe them anyways. Right. Because they'll be they're crazy. In those days, yeah. Yeah, and and this is this is what we we do with all. I mean, the more we find out the more we find out that some of the great conspiracies were actually what we thought they were. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because 
the initial responses that tell us all know that can't be the case, no matter how much logic dictates that it is. Okay. How and, much? And so, go ahead. Uh, okay. No, I'm sorry. Uh, how much? How much media coverage did this get outside of Mr. Murphy's paper? Because the reason I ask is I was 12 years old at the time, and I, f- I remember the whole Mothman thing. The uh, the following year, start being covered in the the Hartford Current in Connecticut, where I lived. But I never saw anything about this case. How much media coverage did it get, or or did it? At the time, it, it only got localized media coverage, and okay. it wasn't until Unsolved Mysteries picked it up in the eighties oh, okay. that that it started. I mean, a lot like Roswell. I mean, everyone thinks Roswell's been with us forever. Oh but, yeah, you know, yeah. it was Friedman's book in the eighties that creates that whole industry, which mm-hmm. is one of our goals: is to create, hopefully, help that area and draw people to Kecksburg because they want tourism there. Sure, and we're trying to move the state of Pennsylvania to get off its ass and do what it needs to do um but so but, because there's money to be made but but it was only after unsolved mysteries then brian gumbel did a special then people started to say hey something happened there the reports are there i mean the local media all covered it um and and it wasn't just john murphy there was another reporter and forgive me because he's alive and he's helping us and i'm forgetting his name he lives in florida now he's that's all right in his yeah but he he also was out there and was a witness um but he didn't push it like murphy okay you know he did the story and went on to other work and so he didn't end up dead okay um and there's a lot of controversy about you know whether murphy was killed or just bad accident obviously but Two people getting hit and runs and no one getting caught seems a little. Yeah, that, that's that's un- odd. That's odd. Yeah. Um, on the uh, in the Roswell case, as, as you mentioned, there were a lot of people were coming forward after Stan's book and and uh, several other books came out. Um, have you encountered, including people who were involved in the military aspects, uh, have you encountered anyone in researching this case who was involved with the military, who were there at the time, or had some command responsibility for that, or anything of that kind? We, we, we've we've talked to grandchildren and children of people that were police. The state police responded, oh, and right. they've been more willing to talk. Okay. Um, now, oddly enough, and you'll really like this, our main man in black is being played by a real life FBI agent. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, that's kind of cool. <laughs> and we had to submit the script to his supervisors for them to approve him to be involved in the film. Oh my goodness! And. <laughs> That was kind of fun. Um, <laughs> and he got permission. He got permission. Yeah. His name's Eric. He's a great guy. Uh, he's also a warrant officer in the reserves. Okay. Um, and just we're, we're thrilled to have somebody who is uh, an agent playing a different type of federal agent. He actually wrote the entire back history for, for our Men in Black organization. We have a whole, like, 50-page document that he wrote. Okay. That's really, I can't wait for this. Now, in Kecksburg itself, after the incident, what, what men in black incidents took place? After, in Kecksburg? Yeah, uh, in, in, in the um, area in 65, 66, whatever. When they came and visited Murphy at his, at his radio station. And um, they came, and, and that is probably in the film, the part that we have is most accurate to the best of our knowledge because we have them, we recreate that. Um, so it's probably the closest to documentary, uh, because his his uh, assistant was there, and 
she she she's being played by Ricky Nelson's granddaughter, Tracy oh, Nelson's wow. daughter. Okay. Um, and and so we've we were thrilled to be able to get the Nelson family involved in this. Yeah. Um, and and her name's Remington Moses. Her dad's Billy Moses. Was on Falcon Crest, and uh, great girl. And so she's playing the girl in the radio station. Um, so, but it, it uh, they came in and, and surprised Murphy, and was able to get hold of the, the the film wherever he had hidden it. So they knew where it was at. Now we don't know how they knew. In in our script, we have it be that she told them out of fear. Um, but how they knew where it was at, we don't have any idea. Okay. All right. How long did it take things to die down in the Kecksburg area after this incident? It never really has for the people there. Huh, okay. It, I mean, if you if you go there and people that were alive at the time, everybody wants to talk about it. it it's, it's uh, and, and it, you, one of the things people don't understand is, is that area is basically Scotch-Irish. Yeah. And the Scotch-Irish don't trust government to begin with, and this just adds to it. Mm-hmm. Um. They are the group that serves in the military the most, and they don't trust the government, which is kind of a weird paradox. They're also the group that swung the election for Donald Trump. Yeah. So they, they uh, as Jim Webb predicted, they really, I mean, this, when we play off of that, I mean, I'm, I'm partly Scotch-Irish and yeah. from that region. And so this, they don't let go of things like this. It becomes part of folklore, and they'll pass it down. I believe 100 years from now they'll still be talking about it mm-hmm. because they can't, there's a reason why they are the way they are and their distrust of of, of people like around Boston the English <laughs> yeah that's right hey, you're talking about us there buddy they, they, deeply, right. they deeply distrust them that's why we don't like the Patriots you know <laughs> well uh, gee, I was hoping to avoid that so it, it's worse today than politics to talk about uh, but uh, I, well I mean 99.9% of people around here are uh, hoping for that particular team to win the Super Bowl today uh <laughs> I myself am not interested in, in football. Uh, I'm more of a Red Sox guy, but uh, I still want to see him win naturally. So let's, uh, but, but obviously Pennsylvania, the, the Eagles, I mean, uh, good luck to them, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> anyway. I'm a New Yorker now, so, uh, you know, okay. I'm really, but I'm a Steeler fan, so, you know. All right, well, you can be neutral. I don't know anything about <laughs> it. Uh, Ben's mom is, is completely crazy about football, and she'll be down there with, with uh, some sort of group, and I'll get a lot of work done. I season. love me some good tribal warfare. Exactly. Yes, that's what it is. It's tribal. You know, you think a hundred thousand years, nothing changes. People still paint themselves up and dress up as footballs and that sort of thing. Exactly. Anyway, that's not our subject. So, uh, okay, we're we're kind of coming down to the wire here, Ben. Uh, any um, any other questions for Cody? Because I have um, sort of one more here, actually. No, I'm okay. I'm, I'm pretty good. I, I'm fascinated by the notion, Cody, that the military got there less than half an hour, maybe 20 minutes after this this thing landed. Obviously, they knew it was coming. What's your explanation for that? I mean, pick it up on radar, maybe? Was it that simple, or was there well, more to it? Well, they did pick it up on radar coming over Michigan. Okay. So, but the amount of time it took to, to land, they would have had, they would have had to, my opinion is they would have had to know something was happening. Um because everything in the U.S. military works on logistics. So That's right. you have to be able to get a bunch of reservists together uh, very quickly would have been difficult. Um, and to take a convoy down Route 51, especially in those days, would have been uh, hard. Now, 
And, and, and we don't have accounts of people, you know, what I've not, in Stan's research, I haven't went out and interviewed people. I haven't found him talking about people seeing them driving down Route 51, other than maybe one account, because that's the, the route they would have had to take. Okay. So that's always, you know, um, we even made them arrive quicker in the film for, for dramatic purposes, because we had to reverse the order of a couple things to make the script work. Okay. Um, which is why I always always tell people it's not a documentary. And that's why it took a lot of time for Stan Gordon to get involved because he loves the idea of a documentaries on it. Yeah. And he's made one himself, which is great. If you really want to learn about the, the details of what's known, Stan's documentary is incredible. All right, great. Um, uh, remind us what time of day this incident occurred. We should have asked that in the beginning. This is a night, obviously. It was, I believe, four 4.45 or 5.45. It's just at the end of sunlight. Yes. When it hit. Okay. And that matters because one of the reasons, there's three boys in the woods, and everybody's talked about these boys in the woods. It's hunting season. It's deer season in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And so there was people in the woods hunting just as the sun's going down. So they were at the last end of the hunting. Because when the sun goes down, you can't hunt anymore legally. And right. so they were right at the cusp of that. So there would have been hunters in the woods. Okay. And... That's what we made the boys. We don't know what they were in the woods doing, but we made them boys out hunting. Because mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania, you can hunt at 12. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's most, most likely accurate. Yeah. I mean, we, we have a much, Pennsylvania has a much lower hunting age. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, so they knew it was coming. And w- what unit were they from? Were they, were they reservists? Because that doesn't they make were, a lot of there, sense. There was Ar- Army National Guard. Uh, Pennsylvania National Guard, but there was the commanding officer, to the best of our knowledge, was out of the Aviation Brigade, which is based just up the road on Route 51. What day of the week was Um, this? This, hold on. (laughs) You're going to catch me. Well, well, the Um, the reason I'm asking is because if it was a weekend, yeah, they might have been on a drill, but not during the week. I believe it was a weekend off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, for their, and, they and were reservists. Give yeah. me for not knowing it like that. I mean, no, 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 that's all right. No, we tend to just throw curveballs. Yeah. You know, we need to know it was hunting season and it wasn't sure. a Sunday. Right, okay. That, all right. Okay, because uh, the, the, this is something we might get into in another show, maybe closer to when the film comes out, but uh, reservists wouldn't necessarily be trained for this. Well, you, you don't know. I mean, the certain units were trained for certain things, and some of it, if they had clearances, some of it might have been classified. But, I, I, but to have a Pennsylvania National Guard unit standing by just in case a UFO happens to crash in Pennsylvania, that would, that's kind of a stretch. But it is what it is, and uh, we can see what uh, what happens after that. But we're just about at the end of our time here, Cody. Great conversation. Thank you so much. We'll be in touch off the air, and we want to do some more on this. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, okay. guys. Well, thank you very much. And again, give us your website one more time. Uh, principalitiesofdarkness.com. You can also find us at Kexburg the Movie on Facebook. Great. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Okay. All right, folks, let's get to our announcements uh, here on Behind the Paranormal. On Saturday, February 17th, uh, that's going to be a week from... Uh, this not this Saturday, but two Saturdays. Two Saturdays so, from so, now. so two Saturdays from yesterday. I can't do math. That's why I went to the seminary. 
Uh, that's going to be from 1 to 4 p.m. on the 17th. You can meet us at the at the uh, 2018 Book Lovers and Authors Expo at the Cumberland Public Library, 1464 Diamond Hill Road in Cumberland, Rhode Island, right down the road from here. Uh, there will be many other authors as well, as many as 50, I've been told. And it's a really fun event in a great venue. Call 401-333-2552 for information. And it's always a good time for reading and gift-giving, especially with uh, Valentine's Day just around the corner. So please consider an autographed copies of our books for that special strange someone. Uh, <laughs> they're uh, widely available, but if you order them online, either from our two websites, BehindTheParanormal.com or NewEnglandGhosts.com, we'll be happy to autograph them for you. Now, books include the first two in our Behind the Paranormal series, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, published last year by Schiffer uh, no, actually published in 2016 by Schiffer Books, available in stores and from online retailers. And then there's Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard Of, currently currently available from online retailers and from Amazon.com and Amazon Kindle. Uh, also available are books I wrote myself in Days of Yore, Faces at the Window, and Footsteps in the Attic about my cases in the 1970s and 80s, along with Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny, with a few more cases. And a to you soon. Okay. Folks, let's get all right. For now, let's get to our uh, here on uh, the parent on behind on Saturday, normal Saturday fifteenth. February is going to uh, that be from a week uh, this Saturday, but not this Saturday. Two, two, so, two Saturday, Saturday. So two from is I can't do yesterday. That's why I do math into the Sunday seminary. That's going to uh, under four be from one to seven p.m. If you can meet meet us at the uh, at the team twenty eight and book love expo authors Evelyn Poe at the Cumberry Public Library fourteen six eight four Diamond sixty four Road Hill Road in Cumberland Island Rhode Island Rhode Island. Down the road, uh, the road from here. The other will be many as well. Authors is fifth, as many are told. The app. And it's a re- an event, really fun venue. In a great forum, we'll call 331 for me for information. And always a good And it's a reading time for giving and gift with special Valentine's Day just around dinner. Around the corner, please. So, in order to consider these autograph cocks for our book, special for that stream from one. They're uh, <laughs> widely uh, but if you available, order them online. They're from mine, either website, our team on the parents, behind or normal dog host, New England, go be happy, come, we'll autograph them for you. Graph them. A book you. the first include our behind two apparent behind series, almost the parent behind every Everything normal is wrong. You know, was published long by Schiff last year. Uh, published no, actually, sixteen by twenty six. Uh, Schiff available stores and Flint store and retail online. And then they list behind the parents behind two paranormal big foot man and foot monsters. You never monster of current for heard of currently available. Be available online read from Amazon and for Taylor's on dot Amazon Kindle. Common Amazon also available uh, all books I available of days of wrote myself yourself in window and face and footsteps at the attic of books in the cases about my seventy in the nineteen eighties along with alone gardening hosts and he goes to eight women death case with a few more. And to you soon. Okay. All right, folks, let's get uh, your announcements. Uh, get to our on Behind the Paranormal on Saturday, February 17th. Uh, that's going to be a week from... Uh, this, not this Saturday, but two Saturdays. Two Saturdays so, from so, now. so two Saturdays from yesterday. I can't do math. That's why I went to the seminary. Uh, that's going to be from 1 to 4 p.m. on the 17th. You can meet us at the at the uh, 2018 Book Lovers and Authors Expo at the Cumberland Public Library, 1464 Diamond Hill Road in Cumberland, Rhode Island, right down the road from here. Uh, there will be many other authors as well, as many as 50, I've been told. 